Hey, I'm Dr. Michael Hunter, forensic pathologist from Autopsy, Reels Channel's medical mystery series on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to download the Podcast One app and subscribe. Then go to reels.com, that's R-E-E-L-Z.com, to find more programs like this one on Reels Channel. The music industry is mourning the loss of R&B singer and seven-time Grammy winner Luther Vandross this morning. Music legend Luther Vandross was known as the Velvet Voice. You're talking about an artist that begins and ends with the voice. He rose from the tough streets of New York to become a 35 million record-selling superstar. He was at the very top of all-time male singers. He was one of kind. But despite all his success... There was an emptiness, answered by a single vice. He loved eating, he loved food. He would eat to fill that void. As the pressure mounted, Luther started to crack. He was complaining about headaches in the back of his head. But he never surrendered a lifelong secret that he took to the grave. Conspiracies still exist about Luther even years after his death. Luther died suddenly on July 1st, 2005 at the JFK Medical Center in Edison, New Jersey, at the age of just 54. I can see from this medical investigator's report that Luther Vandross died from acute cardiac arrhythmia, which tells me his heartbeat was catastrophically disrupted. But as a pathologist, that doesn't provide me with an explanation about how and why this happened. If I'm to solve the mystery of why he died at the relatively young age of 54... I need to know precisely what was going on in Luther's body in the years and months leading up to his death. World-renowned medical examiner and forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Hunter has performed around 5,000 autopsies. Collaborating closely with law enforcement and other forensic specialists, his pivotal role in investigating suspicious cases has revealed the truth behind mysterious deaths for over 20 years. In 2005, when Luther Vandross died, the average life expectancy for the American male was 75 years. And yet, despite all the health care advantages that wealth and celebrity can bring, Luther died suddenly more than 20 years ahead of his time. Luther Vandross's lifestyle has been the subject of rumor and gossip. But now with the help of the medical examiner's report and firsthand accounts, I'm going to find out what was really going on in Luther's life and how his behavior may have impacted on his death. May 2001, four years before the star's death. Luther has spent over 20 years releasing a string of hit records. Songs like Never Too Much have established him as one of the world's leading romantic singers of a generation. But in the last few years, his music hasn't been selling like it used to. So Luther is hoping to undergo a professional revival, recording his first album for J Records. Clive Davis, CCO, Sony Music Entertainment, and founder of J Records. He had had a two- or three-year period where he was not selling the way that he had. Craig Seymour, biographer. But he was on the brink of a rebirth. 
I think he saw it that way, and I think that was apparent to everyone around him. Kevin Owens, friend and backup singer. When Luther signed to J Records, he was very excited about it. He really wanted to get a really huge pop song hit. When a music legend dies relatively young, in many cases, there's a history of substance abuse, culminating in chronic illness or sudden death. Drugs or alcohol need to be considered when investigating Luther's death. But from what I found out, Luther was different. He would often joke about it and saying, you know, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't, you know, stay out all night partying. He would stay in and he would create and he would dream. That's all he wanted to do was to please his, his audience. There seems to be no suggestion that Luther indulged in the excesses so often associated with the music business. But I can't yet completely rule out the possibility of some kind of addiction. To understand what killed Luther Vandross, I need to know more about the star's personal history. Luther Ronzoni Vandross was born on April 20th, 1951 in New York City's Bellevue Hospital. The second son in a family of four born to Luther Sr. and Mary Ida Vandross. Dad was a crooner, and his mom also sang gospel. Music was in his blood, was in his DNA. But when Luther was just eight years old, tragedy struck. His father died suddenly, and his mother alone raised him and his older brother and sisters in New York's Lower East Side. The young Luther had a passion for music, and from an early age, he lost himself in the records of Dionne Warwick and Diana Ross and the Supremes. Ava Cherry, friend and backup singer. The music in the early days was so important to Luther. I think he learned from them. He loved the richness of sound that he heard in those girl group harmonies when he was growing up. He loved his family, but he was obsessed. Music was his top priority. He saw music as his first love, but also his ticket out of the Lower East Side. He always wanted to make something of himself in the big city. And I think that that was very much an aspirational dream of his. Luther developed a distinctive voice and started picking up work as a backing singer. In 1974, he got the chance to work with a young artist from London, David Bowie. Young Americans. That was that was Luther's uh, melody. And when he sang it, David was like, "Yes!" Wow, this guy is great. David had a heart to heart with him, and essentially said, "You're going to be a big star." But Luther had to wait for his breakthrough. By the late 70s, his talent for composing and singing jingles was more in demand. And those jingles were often for sugary drinks or fast food. Luther was the jingle king of New York. And jingles is where he was making his bread. He was getting them all. It was those commercials that began his, you know, being able to have the money to do the things he wanted to do with his music. What Luther wanted most was to make records. And in 1981, his jingle money 
financed his first album, Never Too Much. Both the album and title song were hits in the R&B charts. I love, love, love that song, and everyone loved, loved that song. It was so successful. It was like all of a sudden, boom, it happened. It really just reached audiences all over. People start to know who Luther Vandross was because no one knew before that song. Through the 80s, he went on to score five number ones in the R&B charts. And success wasn't just the result of talent. Luther worked relentlessly in his struggle to stay at the top. Luther was hard on himself. He had high expectations for where he wanted to go in his career. But by the late 90s, Luther's career had started to falter. A succession of singles failed to hit the top 20. He was concerned that music was changing. Hip-hop and other kinds of music were uh, uh, coming into impact. So he was... Uh, concerned as to his viability. And when Luther was worried, he had one way to make himself feel better. He turned to food for comfort. James Irwin, choreographer and personal trainer. It wasn't like Luther was just eating to eat. Luther loved food. From the evidence of photographs and video throughout his career, it's clear that at various times, Luther was obese but his weight actually reached 340 pounds. This is morbidly obese, a state that brings an increased risk of heart complications and fatal illness. I need to try and understand the influences that led to this extreme weight gain in my search for answers. And I believe it could be linked to events in Luther's childhood. The Vandross family was very close, and his father's sudden death came as a terrible shock to the eight-year-old Luther. Then, when he was a young teenager, his brother and two sisters moved out. I think you have to go back to the little boy in the Lower East Side who lost his father. It was just he and his mother, and I think she had to struggle to put food on the um, table. But his mother was apparently a great cook. Luther would have had periods of solitude, followed by the intense pleasure of his mother's home cooking. And that experience made a lasting impact on the youngster. I did get the sense that food was used as a salve even then to help with the pains of losing his father. Dr. Linda Papadopoulos, psychologist. Luther learns very early on when I'm not feeling happy, when I need comfort, Food makes me feel comfortable. Now, we're creatures of habit, right? So if this worked when I was 10 and 12 and 15, this is probably somewhere that I'm going to go back to later on in life. As a consequence, Luther's relationship with food becomes quite complicated. So it's not him controlling what he eats, but him being controlled by his need to eat, to self-comfort. By the time Luther's career hit the heights, his relationship with food had developed into an addiction. If he started to have the potato salad or he started to have the macaroni and cheese, he's going to want more and more and more and more of it. Once he starts eating them, he continues to want to eat them. Luther was only too aware of his condition. He said the worst addiction to have was a food addiction. Because he said, you know, a person that was struggling with their weight, they walk into a room and that's all anybody sees and they can't hide it. And that really frustrated him. 
Friends tried to help, but once Luther's eating got out of control, no one could stop him. I said things to him. I said, Lou, what are you doing, man? Well, you say, I got this. Can you please let me eat my food? Little attitude would come. I don't want to get into a fight with him, and I can't take his food from him. All I could do is let him know I am kind of pissed at you, yeah. He didn't care. He ate his food. For food addicts like Luther, staying away from certain foods may be more than just a question of willpower. For some people, foods that are rich in fats and sugar may have an intense impact on the same reward and pleasure centers of the brain as cocaine and heroin. They increase the release of the chemical neurotransmitter dopamine, which creates feelings of pleasure and motivation. And this can lead to compulsive eating. But I believe Luther's excessive eating doesn't give the whole picture. I think he engaged in another dangerous behavior that could have seriously threatened his health. Could Luther's death be through his desperate attempts to break free from addiction? We're all overbooked, overstimulated, and constantly running on empty. For me, I'm always rushing to produce episodes, and then I have family obligations, other projects I'm working on. I barely have enough time to eat complete meals, let alone prepare healthy ones. But being busy doesn't mean you have to resort to takeout or overly processed food. That's why I love Daily Harvest. They deliver the food you want to eat, but don't have time to make right to your door. Daily Harvest makes it easy to eat more fruits and vegetables with thoughtfully sourced, chef-crafted foods that can be prepared in five minutes or less. They work directly with farms to harvest organic fruits and vegetables at their peak and then freeze them within 24 hours to lock in their nutrients. Everything stays fresh until you're ready to enjoy it. You can choose from more than 65 different options like smoothies, hearty soups, harvest bowls, and overnight oats. They even have a little... um. Uh, sort of like chocolate chip and uh, coconut and like a little bite. Uh, it's sort of like a little energy bite. They're really good. You can eat them right out of the freezer. I love those when you just need a little snack to kind of get you through the day. Whether you're at home, at your desk, or on the go, Daily Harvest is the easiest way to have a delicious and nutritious meal or snack. Go to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code AUTOPSY to get $25 off your first box. That's promo code AUTOPSY for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. That's dailyharvest.com. The entertainment world is mourning the death of Luther Vandross. On July 1st, 2005, R&B music legend Luther Vandross died from acute cardiac arrhythmia at the JFK Medical Center in Edison, New Jersey, at the age of just 54. Now, world-renowned forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Hunter is looking into the factors that led up to his death. I have discovered that Luther Vandross was addicted to food, and his addiction resulted in obesity. His BMI, or body mass index, measuring weight against height would have peaked in the 40s, around twice the recommended levels for good health. But I can also see there were times when he was lean, nearer to the lower end of the BMI scale. In my attempt to understand what finally killed Luther, I need to find out what was going on to give him such wild variations in weight. May 12, 2001, four years before his death, Luther is preparing to perform in the Caribbean under his new label, J Records. His daily routine embraces a strict regime of diet and exercise, including taking the lead in a step class. He did an aerobics class where it was old soul music and he was doing the steps up and down, up and down. He was a romantic leading man, singer, and he 
knew that professionally um, it would be in his best interest to look the part. Luther and the band members, everybody, they would come and work out with him as support. He was really taking his health very seriously at that particular time. I was there to train him so that we can burn the calories and let him be the thin guy he always wanted to be. Luther wanted to be in the best shape for his new label and the reboot of his career. But he had already been successfully battling his food demons for three years. The turning point had come at Thanksgiving dinner in 1998. At that Thanksgiving, he ate as much as a family of six. Nobody eats enough food for a family of six just because they're hungry. Nobody's ever been that hungry. And at the end of the night, he just said to himself, this is my last hurrah. I can't let this happen to myself again. And that was when he really started devoting himself to losing the weight. Luther was determined that he was going to beat his addiction once and for all. But this wasn't the first time he had attempted to kick the habit. You know, he's gone on so many diets. He once went on this diet with Oprah that was just all liquid. Just those kind of like really faddish type of diets. And when he went at it, he went at it. I'm telling you, when he was on a mission, he was on a mission, like everything else. I can see from reports that Luther's dieting would be incredibly successful at achieving the loss of a vast amount of weight very quickly. Luther could drop from a waistband stretching 340 pounds to a designer jean-wearing low of only 140 in a matter of months. I was shocked at the extremity of weight gain and then weight loss. It had to be, you know, a titanic battle. And it was a battle that the star would undergo time and time again. By the 90s, crash dieting, followed by extreme weight gain, had become a pattern of behavior. This is the eighth time that I will have lost in excess of 120 pounds. So that's really facing your worst fear a lot of times because gaining the weight back is absolutely, categorically, my worst fear. Luther knew how to lose weight, but under pressure, his self-control could crumble. It was stress. It was always the stress. Luther's dieting downfall was his desire to take complete control over his career. Those pressures made him turn to the thing that made him feel comfortable and, you know, less stress and less alone, food. What we're going to do when we become uncomfortable and agitated is go to the one thing that we know for sure will make us feel better right away. And in Luther's case, this was food. So it set up this kind of vicious cycle where the more stressed he got, the more he ate. But then the more he ate, the worse he would feel about himself. And therefore, the more stressed he got. And it was this vicious cycle, I think, that we see played over and over again. Over the years, Luther's yo-yo dieting had put immense stress on him mentally and physically. And I would see him go down doing great and all of us would see him doing great then all of a sudden we would see the eating pick up again you know maybe if it's once or twice it's okay but when you do that a lot it's got to wreak havoc on the body 
Some medical studies do appear to indicate that over time, yo-yo dieting, otherwise known as weight cycling, may actually increase visceral fat. Visceral fat is body fat that is stored within the abdominal cavity around a number of important internal organs such as the liver, pancreas, and intestines, and it is associated with increased risk of a number of health problems. But I think the vicious cycle of compulsive eating and yo-yo dieting is only part of the picture. I have discovered that Luther suffered from a disease, a disease that became potentially deadly because of his food choices. By 2002, Luther was on course for a catastrophic medical emergency, and the food he ate may have been a recipe for disaster. In 2005, music legend Luther Vandross died at just 54 years of age due to acute cardiac arrhythmia. His life apparently compromised by an addiction to food and repeated crash dieting. World-renowned forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Hunter is now examining the evidence leading up to the star's death. I have discovered that as a food addict, Luther followed a dangerous pattern of behavior he would repeatedly become dangerously overweight and then use extreme dieting to achieve rapid weight loss. This may have heightened the existing risks to his cardiovascular system from overeating. But looking at the records, I have found evidence of a disease that may have made a major contribution to Luther's death. I can see in his medical reports that at the time of his death, he was taking insulin, a drug used to control diabetes. September 1st, 2001, just under four years before his death, Luther reluctantly takes his medication prior to performing in Detroit. He resents this drug routine and believes that if he can maintain a healthy weight, he'll no longer need his prescription meds. He didn't like to be on the regimen of medication, but when he wasn't on his diet, he had to take his medication. He just didn't want to. He said, as long as I keep my weight down, I think I can control the diabetes. But he just couldn't stop himself sometimes. Luther had an excessive weakness for diabetic danger foods. He even developed his own high-fat, high-carb snack. One of the delicacies was he would take a hamburger and put it between two donuts. And he really loved it. Like <laughs> That was really a go-to for him. As a joke, the extreme snack became known as the Luther Burger, but the singer's diabetes was no laughing matter. Diabetes occurs when the body cells become resistant to the hormone insulin. Insulin, a hormone produced by the pancreas, is often described as a key which unlocks the cells to allow sugar to enter and be used for energy. When this process breaks down, it results in a high concentration of sugar in the blood. If it's not managed correctly, this can lead to atherosclerosis, a buildup of deposits in the arteries that can lead to heart disease. Type 2 diabetes is one of the biggest killers in the United States. Being overweight is a major trigger for the onset of the disease. But I believe there is another reason why Luther should have taken the risk of diabetes seriously. Early in 1999, the Vandross family gathered to pray after the funeral of Luther's youngest sister, Anne. All three of Luther's older brothers and sisters have died under the age of 54. 
and Luther is now the last surviving sibling. Luther's mother would say that there's nothing worse than having to bury your child. And then, slowly, she had to bury child after child. It was just Mary Ida and Luther. You know, that was the family that they had left. When I look into this, reports mention that both Luther's brother Charles and middle sister Patricia died of diabetes-related conditions. And that's not all. Luther's father died of a diabetic coma at the age of 38. Type 2 diabetes may be brought on by obesity, but it may also be hereditary. And it is more common in African Americans. There could have been an underlying genetic cause for his condition. Luther's diabetes may have played a significant part in his ultimate demise. But I also believe the disease could have been made even more dangerous as a result of the extreme pressures he placed on himself, performing as an artist at the highest level. August 15, 2002, three years before his death, Luther takes to the road again for the BK Got Soul Tour, sponsored by Burger King. Its punishing schedule takes in 19 cities stretching all across America. Luther got up and worked hard every day. He had such dedication, such perseverance, such drive and, 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 and focus. He was a hard worker, very hard worker. His competitive instinct, his desire to remain on top was intense. Luther's drive to be the best in the business was unrelenting. Let me tell you, being on the road is very difficult, period. We would do a show, and then we would get on a bus and have to drive eight hours to the next gig. I think the toll with the pressures on himself was great. He created what the lights were going to look like. He created what the sets were going to look like, what the costumes were going to look like. I was worried about his anxiety to achieve the results that he wanted for the stage. February 2003. The touring has ended. But the pressure continues. Luther is in the studio, recording a new album, Dance With My Father. He aims to release the title track as a single. Dance With My Father was a very special song Luther wrote in honor of his father. He said, Clive, this is a career song, very autobiographical. Dance With My Father, a father that he had lost at a very early age. And he just wanted that moment. That last time his father picked him up and swung him around. That dance with my father again. The album meant everything to Luther, and he worked tirelessly on the project. But he was also performing a string of solo nights at New York's Radio City Music Hall. And his assistant was just like, oh my gosh, this is going to be too much. Luther was putting himself under intense pressure, and that leads to stress. Prolonged or intense periods of stress mean that levels of cortisol, known as a stress hormone, will be elevated. Raised cortisol will enhance the production of glucose by the liver, which leads to higher blood sugar. This is the worst possible scenario for a diabetic like Luther. If nothing is done to correct it, the outcome can be catastrophic. 
But Luther isn't letting up on his workload or his eating habits. When we finished Radio City, we went into the studio. And while we were there, Luther was kind of ordering bagels and pancakes and stuff like that, bacon and everything. And at that time, he was having headaches. You know, he's having these little headaches. Within days, Luther's life would be on the line. His mom, she said, I talk to Luther every night and every morning. Then this one particular night, she said she called him and he didn't answer. The morning of April 16, 2003, two years before Luther's death, his personal assistant visits the singer's apartment. The assistant knocked and didn't get a response. And that was odd. And he tried a number of times. Then he called Luther's manager, who immediately panicked and told him just to break down the door. And once he got inside the apartment, he saw Luther collapsed on the floor. He was still conscious. He said, I need some water. And he said, call my mama. Records show that on April 16, 2003, Luther Vandross had a massive stroke which had the potential to be fatal. Paramedics arrived to treat the stricken star, but there was little they could do at the scene. We know that Luther was by himself on that floor for over seven hours. This report from the medical examiner states that Luther had an intracerebral hemorrhage, which is a life-threatening type of stroke where a small artery ruptures inside the brain, filling it with blood. The buildup of blood inside Luther's brain put pressure on crucial parts of his delicate organ, interfering with its oxygen supply. It's as if the normal blood flow goes haywire, traveling to places it shouldn't go and abandoning regions where it's needed. The damage to his brain would likely have been more severe as a result of the fact that he wasn't found for seven hours. Chances of recovery from a stroke massively increase if stroke victims are treated within three hours. Luther was rushed to a nearby medical center. Once they got to the hospital, they found out the worst news. Everybody was in tears and, and just frantic. The stroke has had a devastating impact on the music star. Luther is locked in a coma and fighting for his life. In an intracerebral hemorrhage, the victim often falls into a coma when a significant portion of the brain has been starved of oxygen. Nearly half of those affected die within a month, and those who survive risk complications, including severe disability. I do think Luther Stroke may have played a significant part in his later death, but I've also learned that Luther was on medication for another high-risk condition, and that the singer's bad decision-making in the period leading up to his stroke could have been critical. The stroke puts the performer's life in the balance, but it was not the end of Luther Vandross, and events in the coming months would shock everyone. 
Own iconic luxury items at unreal value with The Real Real, the leading reseller of authenticated luxury consignment from top designers like Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Rolex, Cartier, and hundreds more at up to 90% off retail. Shop and consign women's and men's luxury fashion and streetwear, as well as find jewelry, watches, art, and home. New items hit the site daily, and every piece undergoes The Real Real's meticulous authentication process. In fact, The Real Real employs over 100 brand specialists, gemologists, horologists, and art curators from around the globe who inspect thousands of items each day to ensure that every item is authenticated. Shop luxury the sustainable way. Go online, download the app, or visit one of their stores in Soho or West Hollywood or their newest location at 870 Madison Avenue in New York. Consigners, try out the Real Real's white glove service for free in-home pickup today. I really like to go visit the West Hollywood Real Real location whenever I have a little time over my lunch break. It's just down the road from the office, um, and it's really fun to go in and just sort of see what new pieces they have. The staff is always really helpful when you're looking for something specific or if you're just browsing they can always show you what's sort of new and where all the great deals are so it's a really fun place to visit when you're just looking for something special shop in store online or download the app and receive $25 off your first purchase as well as 20% off select items when you use the promo code real that's the realreal.com promo code real for 20% off select items world-renowned forensic pathologist dr michael hunter is examining the medical evidence surrounding the death of Grammy Award-winning soul legend Luther Vandross, who died at just 54 years of age. On April 16, 2003, Luther Vandross had a major medical event that can be directly linked to his lifestyle, a cerebrovascular accident known commonly as a stroke. In Luther's case, it was a hemorrhage in the brain normally caused by high blood pressure. But I believe that high blood pressure may have been a pre-existing condition that Luther was already treating. From the medical investigation notes, I have discovered that Luther was regularly taking Norvask and Demodex. These are drugs to treat hypertension or high blood pressure. So Luther was on medication to treat his diabetes and to treat high blood pressure. Sticking to this course of medication would have been vital to his well-being. But it's possible that Luther underestimated the potential danger that his underlying medical conditions posed to him. Luther got to a point where he was just tired of taking the medication because um, he had to take it all the time. It is my understanding that not taking the medications but led to the stroke. Medicines are carefully prescribed in the right dosage to treat specific conditions. If Luther decided to manage his medicines himself without first consulting professional advice, it would have significantly increased the chances of a stroke. Luther's stroke could have been fatal, but he survived the initial attack. Instead, he was locked into a coma, and I can see from reports that Luther's condition soon worsened. A coma can impair the body's ability to fight off infection, and while comatose, Luther contracted pneumonia. It was really the worst possible conditions that you could have around a stroke. And it was just people really not knowing whether he was going to live or die. June 2nd, 2003, six weeks after falling into a coma, Luther is fighting for his life. But something happens to bring hope. He makes eye contact with his mother. His mother looked in his eyes and said, Luther, I need you to get well. 
And although he never responded, she felt like he got the message. I think he understood that his survival was bigger than him, that his survival meant so much to his mother. Luther's mother's talk with her son yields a medical benefit. He begins to show signs of recovery, and on June 10th, his album Dance With My Father is released. The reaction to the record was so strong. For the first time in his career, and in very few times in anyone's career, the album ended the charts at number one. By late June 2003, Luther has been moved to an assisted living facility for rehabilitation. The news of his album's success gives him a boost, and over the course of the next year, he starts to fight back. In the rehab facility, all he listened to was this brand new Dance With My Father album, and it would just play and play. It was certainly having a good therapeutic uh, impact on him. I don't think anybody expected him to jump on stage at Madison Square Garden, but there was some sense that he was getting language back. Then thoughts got kind of brightened. He wanted to live. He wanted to get back to normal. He fought with every ounce of energy that he had in rehab uh, to get better. Luther needs to be strong, and slowly he learns to talk again. But he'll never recover the full power of his incredible voice. Obviously, his professional life was over. To have that taken away, I mean, you can only project it how to be heartbreaking. It was the velvet voice that was gone. May 6th, 2004, one year before his death, Luther appears on The Oprah Show, and his mental anguish is obvious. Every day do you say, I want to get a little better? Well, right now, what I want to get better at is um, living with this living with these thoughts, living with this, you know, feeling of, uh, of the last chapter. When people think of a stroke, people think of the physical impact. The psychological impact, though, can be profound because it affects identity. And I think in the case of Luther, what was very sad is that he knows that he'll never sing again. And that would have had such a powerful effect on not just how he saw himself, but also how he saw the future. The man wanted to live his music. He wanted to perform. He wanted so much to get back to where he was. How could he not be depressed? I can see that Luther's depression was serious enough for him to be prescribed trazodone, an antidepressant. One of the reported side effects of trazodone is an irregular heart rhythm. May 29, 2005, one month before Luther's death. At the rehabilitation facility, Luther's mother, Ida, tries to keep her only surviving child in good spirits. She visits him regularly and witnesses the depths of her son's depression. He doesn't want to talk. And uh, the therapist say he doesn't even want to take the exercise that he's supposed to have because he's very anxious to be well again. Luther may have been haunted by the thought that his own behavior may have contributed to his condition. 
Luther's use of trazodone for depression would have been carefully monitored, and there's no evidence that this drug in any way impacted on his heart. But there is something that would have impacted. Luther was an obese man who had been in bed for large amounts of his rehabilitation. Doctors were aware of the risk of DVT or deep vein thrombosis causing a major blood clot in his legs, traveling to his heart and lungs, and that could be fatal. With his diabetes and the fat around his abdomen restricting blood flow and his long-term immobility, he is at high risk of a sudden and unexpected death. 12.50 p.m., July 1st, 2005. One hour before being pronounced dead, Luther is in the middle of a rehabilitation session when he collapses. Luther was in need of immediate medical attention. According to the report, a medical team arrived and tried to resuscitate Luther. They prepare to try defibrillation, but Luther's heart is showing no shockable rhythm. Paramedics try their own CPR, but without success. And Luther is rushed to the hospital. Luther arrives, but his pupils are still fixed and dilated. Emergency room doctors intubate him and try CPR again. But Luther does not respond. At 1.58 p.m., the soul singer who defined a generation is pronounced dead. The entertainment world is mourning the death of Luther Vandross. Vandross died Friday at a hospital in New Jersey, two years after suffering a stroke. This person that you hoped for and prayed for was now no longer here. Oh my God, it was really something, really something. But within weeks of his death, rumors of a secret illness began to resurface. Dr. Hunter believes it's time to get to the bottom of this speculation and deliver his final verdict on what really killed Luther Vandross. The legendary R&B singer Luther Vandross died on July 1st, 2005 at 54 years of age from cardiac arrest. Expert forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Hunter has been examining the star's medical history to find out what contributed to his death. Luther was a yo-yo dieter who had diabetes and he also suffered from hypertension. When hypertension and diabetes coexist, the effects of one disease tends to make the other worse. This makes for a deadly combination. These conditions are treatable and the right combinations of diet, light exercise, and medication would have undoubtedly prolonged his life. The stroke made things even more complicated, but was there something that my investigation has missed? There were numerous internet articles that asked the question, did Luther die of AIDS? These rumors were nothing new. Similar reports stated that Luther was near death with AIDS in 1986. HIV infection increases the risk of heart disease and stroke. I will need to investigate if there is any medical or scientific evidence linking Luther with the deadly disease. Throughout his life, Luther had kept 
one thing secret, his sexuality. Although there was much speculation that he was gay. Well, you know, he felt that that was nobody's business, so he was guarded. In May 2001, journalist Craig Seymour quizzed him about his sexuality. He knew that it would mean a lot if I could get him to come out on the record. And he kept saying, I know what you're trying to get at. And he didn't do it in a mean way. He was laughing when he says that. You know, I know what you're trying to get at. You ain't never going to get it. Luther had been angered by gossip connecting his presumed sexuality with HIV. There was rumors going around that, oh, Kevin and Luther are together. There were rumors going around that he and I had AIDS. They bring it to him and he's like, I don't want to get this crap today. In the mid-1980s, sexually active gay men were a high-risk group for HIV infection and victims could suffer severe weight loss. Luther's crash diets led to wild speculation. Luther got AIDS, look how skinny he is. He was actually afraid of his image of that, that guy, you know, being tarnished with some stuff. Last year there were a lot of rumors because you got thin. Mm-hmm. You got a new body. Yeah, you're not going to ask me about that stupid thing. No, I'm going to ask you what diet you went so, on. So irresponsibly wrote in I'm not going to even mention it. And Look at my face. And I'm not retracted in, in, the, in, the, in a subsequent issue. No. There is no corroboration in all the medical documentation and anecdotal evidence that has been supplied to me to suggest that HIV or related complications played a part in Luther's death. The real problem here is that of weight gain, diabetes, and hypertension, and his poor management of those conditions. With all the evidence collated, Dr. Hunter delivers his verdict. The reason for Luther's death is listed in the report as probable cardiac arrhythmia. But this diagnosis is open to interpretation. I think his death would have been the end result of two possible scenarios. Sudden cardiac arrest as a result of an enlarged heart caused by his chronic conditions or a blood clot from a DVT in the legs traveling within his bloodstream to the lungs, stopping blood flow. Ultimately, Luther's deadliest affliction was his addiction to fatty and sugary foods. From his poor diet to his mismanagement of his diabetes. From his high blood pressure and fluctuating weight, there were many food-related factors that led to Luther's death. But it seems that his stroke two years before his death was the final straw for Luther in his battle to stay alive. The stroke robbed him of his mobility, making him more prone to the cardiovascular problems that would eventually kill him. Luther's stroke also robbed him of the one thing he craved even more than food, making music. But the spirit of Luther lives on in his recordings. He touched the lives of millions and millions of people because they knew that what the words he was saying, that's just what was going through their hearts. This one is great because it's voted for by the public. Luther is right up there with the best of them. His legacy is in his music. That's enduring. That's something that can never be taken away from. I think the world lost a special, special, special man when Luther died. I 
hope you enjoyed this episode of Autopsy. Don't forget to subscribe at podcastone.com with the Podcast One app or at Apple Podcasts. Then go to reels.com, that's R-E-E-L-Z.com, for clips, extras, and more from the TV version of the series, including reenactments and autopsy photos you'll only see on Reels channel. Find Reels on your TV at reels.com. I'm Dr. Michael Hunter. 